Well, I want to welcome you to Women of Substance today. I know that you're going to enjoy my longtime friend, Barbara Arbo. She's been in ministry for 40 years, and she and her husband have been married, I believe, 42, right, you know, around that same amount of time. Uh, and they've served under some wonderful ministers through the years, one of them being Vicki Jamison Peterson. If you remember her, she was uh, a... a miracle worker. I mean, just had so many miracles in her meetings and conferences all over the United States and even overseas. Um, so I, I want you to listen to Barbara. She has um, just, you know, within the last years of her life, they have purchased a beautiful home in New Hampshire, and it was built in 1773. Uh, they renovated it, of course, and, and it's just so beautiful. Um, they invite ministers there who need rest, who need prayer. Um, they have prayer groups there that come in from churches and pray, and they don't charge anything. They just work completely off donations. And I've been there twice, and I'm telling you, both times it has ministered to me so mightily. Um, it's right near Lake Winnipesaukee. Some of you know that. Lake from What About Bob, the movie. <laughs> so pretty up there. Um, Barbara has written many books, and she has those on Amazon. We'll also uh, have her tell you uh, just the testimony of her life of faith, how she got off drugs and alcohol just overnight when she gave her life to the Lord as a young woman, and how God has used her so tremendously in um, all these years of uh, serving him and praying for the body of Christ and just the wisdom that you'll hear today. Take it to heart and uh, let her inspire you because that's what women of substance is supposed to do is influence you, inspire you and empower you. So God bless you as you listen today. Well, I want to welcome you today to Women of Substance. I have a longtime friend that you're going to be so excited about meeting. And here she is. Her name is uh, Barbara Arbo. Hey, Barbara. Hey, it's good to see you, Carla. <laughs> it's great to see you, my friend. Um, I don't know how long I've known you, but I'm telling you that you have made such an impact on my life. And all through the years, you know, I've heard you speak and then I had the opportunity to speak with you. At some conferences. <laughs> yes. And I had the opportunity twice to come stay in your beautiful sanctuary there. Oh, I know. New Hampshire. Oh, yeah, I'm you. You've got to, you've got to make time again now that David's in your life. <laughs> yes, for sure. We want to. We, uh, it is just beautiful. And we're going to talk a little bit about that also. But, um, I would like for you just to start and, uh, you know, you have such a powerful testimony. In fact, uh, you know, I, I I can't even believe where you came from because of where you are now. It's such a transformation. So can you talk about that? You know, it is amazing. And and I turned 70 this year, which I can hardly believe myself. But when I look <laughs> back and think, you know, I was 21 years of age and just headed down such a road of destruction. And my own parents had disowned me and, you know, just the drugs, the alcohol, the promiscuous lifestyle and just that. You know, hippie generation, we were, it was all about peace and love and joy. And we were searching for it in all the wrong places. 
And, um, you know, when I think about the rescue operation, how God just, you know, we sing those songs today, like restless, reckless love, you know, it looks, goes after that one, you know, and he really came after me. And I was just, I had never heard the gospel. I was 21 years of age. I'd only been to church a few times with my grandmothers and never heard the gospel preached, never heard about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, when I heard it, I thought, well, I'll just try that because I was one of those people that tried everything. I wanted to be cool and I wanted to make sure I was the first one that tried things and, you know, was the big voice that would tell everybody else what was real. And uh, so I just prayed a prayer and just said, you know, God, if you're really our God and if Jesus is really the son of God and you have a plan for my life, then then I invite you into my life and I'll give you a couple of weeks to prove yourself to me. And I, you know, I just thought that was plenty of time for God. And uh, in two weeks time, I was walking around like, you know, just looking up at the sky, like, where have I been all my life? Because every prayer that I prayed, it was like God rushed in to Mm -hmm. let me know he was real. He just rushed into my life. He delivered me overnight from drugs. I just, I just flushed everything down the toilet the next day. And within seven days, I had moved into a home with 15 Christian girls. Mm -hmm. And I just totally, you know, changed. I mean, my life just changed. And I went back. I mean, it was just, it was just a transformation that was so powerful. And, you know, for the first few years of my Christian life, I struggled with, you know, with trying to overcome other things in my life. I was, you know, at that point I weighed 285 pounds. So I had, you know, had that, the food addiction and, you know, all these struggles, um, you know, to, to make a living. I mean, I had been selling drugs to make a living. What was I going to do now? You know, so you know, God just began to bring things that, I like and look at the generation that's out there now, which is in so much deeper than yeah. I was is with what's available to them. But I see the hand of God on this generation to rescue. And, and uh, you know, I always say, like Joyce Myers, if you want to be kept, he will keep you. And yeah. he has kept me all of these years and, um, you know, satisfied the deepest desires of my heart for, for family and children and, you know, all ministry and the things that I really, really in, inside of me who I really was. You know, when I was eight years old, I used to play football all afternoon. From, you know, on a Saturday morning, we'd go out to the backfield behind my my farmhouse and I'd play with all the boys in the neighborhood, tackle football <laughs> and, and play with them all day if they would promise me that when we got finished that we go over to the little cobblestone church in the neighborhood and they would be my congregation and I would stand in the pulpit and preach. Oh this is a little girl that didn't even go to church. Mm-hmm. Our family wasn't believers, you know, we were, you know, there was something, yeah. there was a divinely implanted sense of destiny in me. Yes. Nothing else will ever satisfy. And God puts that there. That's and so I, true. Somehow I knew that I was called and somehow I knew that, that, you know, there was going to be a time. And so um when I look back at those seeds and think how God planted those seeds in me, but there was also seeds from the enemy. That yeah. He was yeah. trying to, you know, put those, all those thorns in there and he was trying to, you know, entangled my life with all these addictions and things. And yet God came after me and, uh, you know, rescued me. So at that point in my life, things began to change. And, um, you know, the Lord just divinely hooked me up with two very special people in my life, women that had a tremendous effect on my life and became mentors to me, uh, mentors to me. And the first one was Billy Adams. So she was a little four foot yeah. and dynamic prayer power ministries. And she, um, she was Kenneth Copeland's very first paid prayer coordinator in his ministry. They were personal friends with the Copelands when he went into ministry. And, you know, everybody was finding their place of how they could be of support to Gloria and Ken. And, and uh, she said to Ken, she said, well, now, what could I do, Kenneth? 
And he said, well, Billy, you could pray. And so she was, you know, going to pray for him, this ministry to launch and get off the ground, you know. And so she began to pray and, and the Lord began to teach her how to pray. And she said, I would set the little egg timer in my kitchen. You know, she was raising three kids and, you know, had a husband in, in construction. And so she'd set the little egg timer to pray for fifth, five minutes. And she said, I'd just pray and I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd pray. Everything I could think of praying, I'd open, <laughs> I'd open one eye and, you know, think, what's wrong with that timer? And I'd open one eye and like two minutes had gone by. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so then the Lord began to lead her and, and teach her through the through the Bible how to pray God's word. And you know, she was reading Psalm 91 one day and, and, you know, Lord, you know, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God. And the Lord said to her, well, anything glory and dwell in the secret place of the most high God. God. So she began to use the scriptures to pray and yeah. that revolutionized her prayer life. And of course that's became the ministry that she shared around the world and in my life, which transformed me because even after a few years of knowing Christ, I still was struggling with different things in my life until I got a hold of God's word in prayer. Yes. That's what made the difference. I mean, people say to me, well, how in the world? I, you know, my testimony is that I lost 120 pounds in seven months. And, you know, after all the years that, you know, that I had struggled, I mean, I did every diet in the book. I said, I did the, the hot dog soup diet, the grapefruit diet, the, <laughs> diet, diet. the doctors would give me diet pills. And that's how I got hooked on drugs. Mm. Diet pills as a teenager. Mm. And, uh, you know, and never had been successful. I'd lose 50 pounds and gain a hundred pounds and, you know, just up and down. But then I started praying God's word. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started, well, I mean, I was reading it and Paul said over there in Acts 24, 16, that he exercised and disciplined himself, mortified the deeds of his body. Deadness, carnal body um, appetites and bodily desires, and always he could prove himself blameless before God and before man. I uh, thought, oh my gosh, Paul was overweight too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was struggling like I was struggling. You know, I just related <laughs> to him. You know, he was struggling, and I was struggling. So I began to use those scriptures in prayer, and I began to say, you know, when I find pleasures that are sweet like honey, I only eat what's sufficient for man. I would just begin yeah. to use the word in prayer, and all of a sudden, my my body began to transform, and I, I my desire for food. And, and the ability to overcome in temptation and right. I started receiving victory. And, and so in seven months time through the power of praying God's word, I dropped 120 pounds. Isn't that amazing? Well, that was, that was powerful. Yeah. And, um, you know, my testimony became, uh, you know, the open door for me. And, yes. uh, you know, so, so I began to have opportunities to share with others right. and then, uh, working with Billy and, you know, being in all the little prayer circles in Fort Worth. People started asking me to come and, and share the word. And so I remember the very first time I went to the Italian Inn to, they gave testimonies on the lunch hour there. And the owner was a Christian businessman and, and he had me come in and speak. And so I, I told my testimony and I said, you know, at least 150 times I was a New Yorker, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you guys and you know. And um, I got so excited when the time was done because I was all done talking and and I sat down and he said, now, Barbara will be here to pray for you if you have prayer needs or if you're struggling with anything in your life. And I thought, well, I've never done that. You know? <laughs> and I said, but I've seen it done. And people just kind of laid hands on people and shook them a little. And then they got whatever they were supposed to get. You know, so I, I wasn't a minister. You know, I was just to, to share my testimony. And so I laid hands on the first little lady and she dropped on the floor and I reached down and picked her up. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what the power God was doing. But, but Billy was a mama. Billy was a mama. And she, you know, she just was a great mama in the spirit. I, 
eventually, you know, came and lived with her in Texas. Oh, uh, I would hear her in the middle of the night. People would call on the phone and I'd hear her just speak the word, speak the word in the mm-hmm. middle of the night, praying over people's lives and calling their children, disciples, taught the Lord and obedient to God's will. And just, you know, just watched how she just loved people. Yes. And, uh, it was such a good influence for me. And she loved me and she, you know, I just served her and yes. I just helped her fulfill the ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to Texas. I had a car and, and I would drive her to the airport, you know, and then do her do her secretarial work, you know, at night, administrative work. Um, and, and, you know, she didn't care when I did it. And I was so thrilled to be in a climate um, coming right straight out of the blizzard of 78 in New York. I was down in Texas and 110 degrees, just soaking in that sunshine. <laughs> so I'd lay in the sun all day and then I'd stay up till midnight, you know, answering prayer calls. <laughs> I was starting with her, but she was very good friends with Vicki Jameson Peterson. And, uh, so I had only been in Fort Worth for just a few days. And, uh, of course I'm coming right out of the, the, you know, country of New York. And I'm, I'm, I'm really just a country bumpkin, you know, just, uh, I mean, I, I, my hair is just all one length and long and freaked out. And I've just <laughs> lost all this weight, but I only own a pair of bib overalls and a long underwear t-shirt, you know, and I, <laughs> and, uh, so she brings me in and, and, uh, I remember Martha McGee, you know who Martha was. Yeah. Um, you fall up and uh, she was there and she was doing Mary Kay. She, that was her part of her business. And she looked at me and she said, I would love to do your makeup. (laughs) What she wanted to do was she wanted to pluck my eyebrows. (laughs) So she transformed me and put makeup on me. And I'd never worn makeup before and plucked my eyebrows. And then this other friend of Billy said, I just love to cut your hair. <laughs> my hair into kind of like a Farrah Fawcett, you know, like all that length of hair. And, and uh, I had all these waves. And, and then Billy took me out and bought me a, a, a beautiful mint green maxi dress. Oh, it was yeah. really popular back then to wear dresses right. to the church. And so here they got me all dialed up and they took me to a Vicki Jameson crusade. Hmm. And I walked in the auditorium that night. And here I was. I was 26 and single. I desperately wanted to be married. I was looking for a tall, good looking man of God. And I always tell people there wasn't a man of God in my hometown over five foot six. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got to Texas and all these tall, good looking men of God, you know. And I went to the Vicki Jameson crusade that night and I walked in and my husband now, Steve, was on the platform serving Vicki in her ministry as an usher, three yeah. pieces of God. And, um, I looked up there and the Lord said, there's a man you're going to marry. Oh, said, hallelujah. I know it. This young man's about to find the favor of God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, I met him that night. He worked for Vicky's ministry. And I thought, well, you know, next day I was expecting a phone call or something. I never heard from the guy. Uh, four months went by. I still hadn't heard from him. And I decided I was just a pipe dream. It was just, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was just making it up. I needed to just get out and meet some young people because I was hanging around with everybody my parents' age. And uh, so I went to this concert over in Dallas, Texas at the Bronco Bowl. Larry Lee was holding these hour of hour concerts every month. And Reba Rambo McGuire was the, the performer that night. Oh, and she yeah. had just made the breakout from Dottie and, um, and her dad. And, and she was singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. That was her hit, hit single. Uh-huh. And uh, I walked in the auditorium and there were more people in that building than lived in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And it was so overwhelming to me. I'm and I sure. went and sat next to this little group of kids up in the balcony. And all of a sudden they said, oh, we're packed out. You know, the light's coming down. And, you know, if you're holding seats, you got to give them up. And 
these kids just jumped up and ran off. And the lady on the other side of me started calling out to the aisle saying, here's some seats, here's some seats. <laughs> and this tall, good looking man of God that I had met one time four months ago in the Vicki Jamison crusade ended up in an auditorium with 3,500 people sitting right next to me. Oh, Barbara. And that night he took my phone number home and six weeks later we were engaged. Oh, how interesting. I love that. 42 years ago. <laughs> 42 years of marriage. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So he was working with Vicki and yeah. uh, I eventually went and, and also worked with Vicki as a, in her prayer department and we served her ministry and the Lord allowed us um, a very special time and season in her life where we actually went and moved and lived with Vicki in her, in her home yeah. and uh, just as supportive roles. And uh, it was just a treasure of a time. And so she, Billy, by that time had moved out to California and now Steve and I went to work with Vicki and the Lord has given us a word. He said, I want you to move east. And we thought and that meant New England. We'd always had it in our heart to go to New England. Well, Vicki's ministry concentrated a lot up here in this area with mm. doing circles. She would come yeah. up here and hold huge crusades in uh, Centrum and Providence, Rhode Island, for example. And they hold, I, I don't know how many people that, that auditorium holds, but it would be packed out and there'd be miracles, 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 mm-hmm. just wonderful. You know, I mean, yeah. little, boy, little boys that had never, little, you know, children that had never spoken before. They, they had no voice. They couldn't walk. And, and she'd pray for them. And they'd jump down and run and, and start shouting, mm-hmm. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you know, and right. it was just so fun to be in those crusades. And oh yeah. So when we heard the Lord say move east, we assumed that we were going to New England. And so we went to talk with her, thinking maybe she could give us some direction or um, you know, just help us determine what we could do up there in the in the New England area. Right. And um when we went to see her that night, we said, Is there anything that you can think of that the Lord could how the Lord could use us? We just get jobs and maybe do a Bible study or something up at a particular area. Is the Lord been speaking anything to you? And she's turned to us and she said, well, yes, he has. And she said, I've never done anything like this before in my life. But she said, I feel like the Lord, the Lord wants me to ask the two of you to come and live with me as my companions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we moved east 30 miles from Fort Worth to Dallas. <laughs> and we with her. But what was significant about that to bring in another uh, story is that Philipford and Halverson were very much intercessors and many people will know them by name, but you know, yes. Swedish and Norwegian couple that were mighty intercessors for the Lord. And they worked um, behind the scenes with Vicki. They would go into cities and pray and prepare the way for her miracle ministry. Yes. And uh, they would meet with us as the staff every lunch hour and, uh, you know, maybe twice, two or three times a week. And so we would just pray through our lunch hours. And they had been praying over Steve and I. We were just newlyweds. They'd been praying over us. And one day they began to pray and Phil began to call out companions, companions. And I thought that we were going to have some kind of marriage problem or something, you know, because he's praying for our companionship, you know. So you always try to interpret what the Lord is, you know, praying. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so when when Vicky said that word, I feel that I'm going to ask the two of you to come and live with me as my companions. We realized that the Lord had been preparing that in prayer. Praise God. Uh, so we did. We moved in with her and then, and then we worked full time with the ministry and she gave us the ability to, to, to have freedom to, to go when the doors would open to us for ministry. Mm-hmm. And then we had a, a job with her that kept, give us a little bit of security. Sure. And, um, and you know, that was, I think a gift too, because not everybody in ministry, uh, will g- allow you that freedom. Yeah. That's and she true. Saw yeah. The gift in us and she wanted us to, to be, you know, um, out full time. So 
Um, So those were precious years. I mean, we, those were our, those were our fears. And yet we were the young couple, you know, newlyweds. uh, Phil and Fern, of course, Vicki and Billy, they were all seasoned in ministry. And, and, uh, you know, so the fact that we got to be influenced by them all the time was a school of the spirit to us. Oh, sure. That's remarkable. The anointing. I'm not here. I'm going to give you a chance to talk. I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> no, it's all good. I love hearing these stories. And, you know, I, I think the legacy of, of those kinds of things are, it's so beautiful. And now, um, I think we're up to bat to pass it on now to oh, uh, many, many other generations and praise yeah, God. You, are, you have to turn around and say, you know, when, when are we going to be the mothers, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Because everybody loves having a mother. Everybody right. loves having influential people in their lives and people that they, I mean, today, every day of my life, I could say almost every day, one of those people that influenced my life will come up when it's, it's not just what would Jesus do? Yeah. Sometimes what would Vicki do? What yeah. would Billy do? Didn't you know, how somebody else would have handled a situation and, and their input, even, even kind of Colton's ministry. I, I worked for him in the prayer department with George when he was ahead of it. And so I typed all those letters that would answer prayer needs that people had. I had a file. I think I still have it in my drawer. It's about mm-hmm. this of, of everything that Kenneth would answer someone that was writing in for prayer for how to, you know, deal with children and mixed marriage or how to stand for a husband that's been, whatever the situations were. But I had a file full of those, uh, that wisdom that he right. shared with people in prayer. Yeah. And it, you know, even that I draw from those things so much because it's all the word. Yeah. I mean, those are people, all of these people that we're talking about are people that believe that the word was alive and active and full of power and, and that it would not return void. That's and right. so when you sent it forth, it would come back with answers. That's and right. So now that's where we are in life, right? We've got all these situations that face, you know, the people that are, you know, coming to us. Yes. And we have the privilege of giving them the same word that's established our hearts. Amen. Um, that so seems to be a, a huge missing ingredient for a lot of people, even even young Christian believers. Yeah. Um, they're used to getting a word, mm-hmm. maybe a prophetic word or right. uh, an Instagram word or a, you know, um, yeah. a preached word. But to know the word. Yeah. And to know the truth of God's word and to have it living in you and abiding in you and, and a part of you so that just like Jesus and his word were one, you and the word become one. It's That's your right. authority. It's, 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 you know, you can bank on it. That's right. I love okay. that. And I love that about you. In fact, in your biography, it says, uh, you're known as a walking amplified Bible. <laughs> And I can testify to that. I'm so, I'm so delighted and inspired by your memorization and just the way. You know, it's really interesting to me because I never have memorized any of the scripture, but I've always used it. Well, not always, but as I became acquainted with it, Uh the word, I always used the word in prayer. And the Lord instructed me when I was doing it to put the scriptures with it. Right. Because, you know, you, you know, I would, I would be praying away in the word and somebody say, well, where's that scripture? And I'd say, well, I don't know, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then I would start to say, well, according to Philippians 2.13, it's not in your own strength, but it is God who is all the while at work within you. And I would pray the scripture with the word. And you know, it's like a computer. Uh, yeah. Whatever you put in comes out and it's out of the abundance of your heart that your mouth speaks. So 
sometimes my husband will make fun of me and say, well, you're, you know, people think you're just extremely expressive because you talk amplified. Um, <laughs> but you know, I got it when I got the amplified Bible. I, yeah. I didn't do well with King James. I, you know, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't have any background with it. I'm not, I wasn't strong intellectually. And yeah. so to, to get the amplified and when it said, you know, blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied, I got it. You know, oh, I know what he's talking about. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. And I think it's important that you have a translation that you understand, you know, that that feeds you and that you can get a hold of like that. Right. I love that. Praying the word. Uh, A mutual friend of ours, Louise Roberts, she was preaching at my church and she said, I, I wrote it down the minute she said it. She said, all of our prayers should start with father. You said. Uh-huh. You know, that's Father, good. you said, yeah. and uh, and that's what you do. You know, yeah. you you yeah. Uh, not only say the words that God said in His Word, but you yeah. you know the references. <laughs> that's that's well, you know, when, when Jehoshaphat faced his battle and he started, you know, says he put God in remembrance of His Word. But we know that God doesn't have any uh, Alzheimer's; He hasn't forgotten His Word. You know, He doesn't. It's not. But we right. need to be held in remembrance of it, and when we rehearse it. And we remember, especially words that God's spoken to me. I, I mean, I'm thinking I'm living right now on the world on a really powerful word that the Lord gave me seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we came here to New England. Um, we we had known since 35 years ago the Lord gave us the vision and told us that we would oversee a place of prayer in New England. Right. Um, we thought we were going to do it in our 30s. You know, we were just starting out ministry. We thought, yes, we're going to have a place of prayer. We've been to Dr. Cho's, you know, um, prayer mountain in Korea. And we've been to all these places of prayer. We thought, yes, we're going to do that. And uh, we feel like call of God to do that. But here we were 35 years ago, we were here in New England and we were out to dinner with pastor and his wife one night. And Steve just kind of disappeared from the table. You know, he went into a zone where I just knew he wasn't there anymore. And uh, I go, what's happened to you? We're sitting on a, we were sitting on a restaurant overlooking the water and there were all these lights coming out on the boats out in Harbor. And he said, the Lord says revival is going to come to New England, like just like these lights, one right after another, lights are going to be kind of coming until there's a wall of fire coming in. And right. he said, uh, in the next great awakening, uh, my people will need a place to rest and pray and hear from God and then return to do the work of the ministry. And so that's the word he gave us about a place of prayer. And so, like I said, we thought we were going to do it when we were 30. Well, then the Lord said to us, before you establish a place of prayer, you must first establish a place for prayer in the hearts of people. And so that gave us direction for ministry. We we went the direction of teaching on prayer and, and yes. talking about prayer and revival and prayer working together. And so we right. emphasize that it's kind of like, um, you know, you go to a doctor and then you get a specialist. Um, yes. There's so much of the word that you can preach, so much you, you can teach on. And, and obviously we do teach on other things besides just prayer. Right. And, uh, that's been the emphasis of our lives through the years. So we did prayer summits and prayer retreats and prayer this and help churches establish places of prayer in the churches. And, you know, just, just that's where our focus was. Right. And then, um, you know, and then in 1980, well, let's see, was it 19, somewhere around 98, I believe it was when we uh, got a call from Pastor Bob Nichols in Fort Worth, Texas. And, uh, the Lord had given me a word, um, just, I, I was having a bronchial infection. I was staying home one night to kind of steam out my lungs a little bit and took a bath. And I'm in the bathtub and the Lord said, I'm changing your assignment. I have need of you. Well, we were here in New England. We were working with uh, International Family Church, Pastors Del Turcos, and we, you know, helping them with their prayer at the ministry and then traveling. And, and all of a sudden he said, I'm changing your assignment. We thought, what in the world's going on? And 24 hours later, we get a call from Pastor Bob Nichols in Fort Worth. And he said, what's going on with you guys? And we said, well, 
gee, we think we're in transition. <laughs> he said, well, we're in transition down here too. And we were just wondering if you could fly in and pray with us about transitions. Well, over a period of just, a, you know, six to eight weeks, Pastor Bob asked my husband, he said, we've got a 24-hour place of prayer already going. It's been an operation for five years nonstop. And the man overseeing it feels called out to pastor, and I can't put a rookie in there. Can you come help me? Well, we were newlyweds when my husband approached Pastor Bob Nichols. He was my pastor when I was 26 and single. And and, uh, my husband approached him right out of Bible school at Christ for the Nations and asked if there's any way he could help him. He said, I feel feel like I'm called to help pastors. And he said, oh, well, you know, we just bought a building, and we we really can't afford to get any more staff. And, you know, so he... He kind of deterred him. Well, here it was 25 years later. He's calling oh. in and asking, can you help me? Isn't that so, cool? Yeah, it really was. And, and our oldest son was 16, getting ready to go to Eternal University in Texas. And, you know, we weren't prepared to have him go off at 16 and be at, in school 3,000 miles away. So all of it fit together. Yeah. And he moved to Texas. He oversaw that place of prayer uh, for 16 years. Wow. We thought we were going to help him for a couple of years. And then right in the middle of that, you know, last final year, the Lord said to us, it's time for the place of prayer in New England. Oh, so we came up here. We didn't, we, by that time we were like, well, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe we just missed it. Maybe that we just, we're doing it only. We're doing it in Texas. And <laughs> when we came, we began to look for properties in New England. And you know, the miracle story. Oh, I love this. I really love a miracle, miracle story because we looked at over 300 properties in New England. Mm course of two years and when we when we came across this property it had just been reduced down uh the the owner of it it was a vacation home Mm -hmm. um she came from money and she had just dropped the price from eight hundred eighty thousand to six hundred eighty thousand to four hundred seventy nine thousand amazing felt like the lord had given us a word that that uh you know because i mean we didn't we had two thousand dollars in the bank we didn't have any money prepared toward this. You know, we had our own and we were prepared to put all of our equity into it. Um, but we didn't have any savings toward it. And, uh, and the Lord gave me a word and he said, Barbara, can you not believe after 35 years of the time of full-time ministry that you don't know 500 people who would believe me for a thousand dollars and buy a place of prayer? So at that point we had a, we had a price range, right? 500,000 because we yeah. didn't have around with a realtor, not even. You know, not having any money. You know, and she said, how much money do you want to spend? And we'd be like, well, we don't know. <laughs> you know where, would you, where do you want to be? And we'd say, well, New England. So, that's a five-state radius, right? Uh, so anyway, the miracle of it was is that when we when we actually found this property and, and knew that it was God, um, by that time we had raised around 150000 to put down on the property. And the Lord gave me a word we had to go, you know, we had to borrow. And we went to the bank and the only way the bank would loan us money on this property coming from Texas, you know, they don't know who we are and what we're, how we think we're going to. Oh, yeah. Right. And yeah. the only way that they would do it was if we would um, do an arm, you know, loan an adjustable rate mortgage and a commercial loan. And all oh, that made me so nervous because I'd always heard, you know, like, Oh, you don't want to do an arm. And, uh, but the Lord gave me a word and he said, don't worry about it. Barbara. It will be paid off in five years. It was a five year arm. He said, it'll be paid off in five years. He said, you'll have seven years of plenty. You'll, you'll uh, pay off the sanctuary. You'll do all the updates necessary on it. And then you'll live your seventies in plenty. Oh, and so, you know, the long story short of it is that is exactly what has been playing out. 
in the first five years that we're here, we, we paid off, miraculously paid off the sanctuary, um, did many, many updates on the property. And then I turned 70 this year. So I have great expectancy. Yes. My seventies will be in plenty. Yes. Amen. And it's such a beautiful home. You said it was uh, constructed in 1773. It was 1773. It's just the house is gorgeous and it's huge and it has beautiful fireplaces. Uh, you've decorated it so beautifully. Uh, um, and it's right near Lake Winnipesaukee. It which is. It's right is above it. The movie, What About Bob? Some people yeah, yeah, we have the view of Lake Winnipesaukee from the porch. So um, <laughs> it is and, just beautiful. And, and the miracle is that when we, when we bought the property, the, the owner, former owner owned uh, 6.8 acres of land across the road from it. She had cleared the land uh, from woods to clear it so that the view of Lake Winnipesaukee would be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the negotiations, um, you know, we, we counter, we offered her a price on the property with a bargain sale. They call it, you know, if you're a 501c3, you can give somebody a, a tax write off between what the property is valued at and what you actually offer to pay. Right. And, um, when we told her what we wanted to do with the property and, and the story of our ministry and the lives what we have done and, um, shared with her the vision, she came back with a counter offer to us and then she donated the 600 acres of land. Praise God. So we have that view of Lake Winnipesaukee, you know, um, and it, it's been so colorful this fall with the, um, with the leaves. It's just been a beautiful fall, but it's just a tree, tree filled view too. So you get all the maples and the yes. oranges and yellows and reds. So it's been beautiful. Oh, so pretty. Um, and of course I, I came up there and prayed and rested and was so blessed. And the second time, by the time I got back up there, I was married. <laughs> I think one of the the things that I see about this this place is that, um, you know, we've learned through the years how how important it is to pray into God's plans. You know, we 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 yeah. use the expression. I mean, I think Mark and Janet Brzee maybe coined it about laying track and and um, you know praying out the plan. Um, in Brother Hagen's book, praying out the plan, pursuits, plans, and pursuits of God. Um, yeah. I think that although. Are, as churches, you know, we offer, you know, obviously, uh, there's prayer that goes on at churches and it's so valuable. But sometimes I think you just need to go and, and, um, get apart and just center in on praying out that plan. Yeah. And, and I know for us, um, you know, we always offer people that opportunity to, to pray while they're here with them. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, you, you, you'll start praying and you don't know their stories. You don't know exactly what's going on and you'll be praying and, Maybe words will come out in, in English as you're praying in the spirit and, and for them, it's confirmation, it's direction. Yeah. It's, um, you know, so for us, it's been like, uh, everything that we've done all of our lives is kind of culminated. Now it's pouring back into this, this season, into the future where, mm-hmm. where the, where young people and not just young, but you know, pastors and, and ministries and, and individuals like us that were seeking God's plan for their lives. Um, yeah. we're the, we're the ferns and fills and the billies and the vickies that can come alongside. And, and we feel, we feel that here and not in a weird way, but we have dedicated all of the rooms to the mentors we had in ministry. So we have yeah. a Vicky room and we have a Phil Fern Halverson room and we have a Billy room. And, um, you know, I, I feel that from the, from the side of, you know, heaven, heaven has that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. That's right. And, uh, you know, we do, like you said earlier, you're passing a baton and you're, mm-hmm. you're encouraging that next generation to run their race. 
and fulfill the purpose to their generation. But it's like we are fulfilling it to our generation. Yes. Um, so there comes a time where that, you know, what you've taken in has to be poured back out. That's um, right. And that's the only thing that really satisfies your life. Um, I think Jesus said it so well when he spoke to the disciples after several days of feasting and, and, uh, John 7, 37 through 38, he says, anybody still hungry? Now they just, they just finished a big feast. Yeah. Is anybody hungry? Because if you are, then I've got news for you, you know, that out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. Yes. And this he spoke of the spirit, which had not yet been given, but I believe he was sending a message to, to each of us in the body of Christ that, you know, there comes a time in your life where taking in, taking in, taking in, eating, 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 you know, even when it comes to spiritual food, right. it, it's not going to satisfy you. It's going to be what you pour out. Right. You know, it's got to be the intake and the outflow. Sure. And, uh, you know, I think that everybody needs to have an outflow. Right. And we need to realize what we have on the inside. You may not have it all. We don't have it all. But yeah. you know, the portion that we have, we need to, to feed others with the, with the same comfort, encouragement, and consolation we've received That's from right. God that we need to pour it out to the, the next. And you, uh, you've written a lot of books. One of them is Filled to Spill, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like I wrote that book before, um, before we tasted our first taste, uh, in revival. We were just, uh, or we were just tasting it. Back in 1984, um, oh, 85, somewhere in there where, um, we experienced, uh, such a tremendous filling with joy. Amen. And, um, I saw a vision of what was coming and how, you know, people needed to step into that for, for the strength and yeah. in order to be filled to spill. Right. Um, you know, that there was a reason for it. It wasn't just being filled so that we could roll around the floors and as fun as that was to swing from those players. <laughs> That it was really to fill us up because there was going to be such a demand on what was in us. Yeah. You know, we are really seeing that day now where we have to stay ever filled. Right. We just don't know day by day. Uh, We laughed during, even during COVID, um, you know, people were coming to our door all the time. I said, my husband last week, he said, you know, even the mailman coming in with a bandage around his arm, you had him in here for tea and you're (laughs) ministering to him, praying. You know, every opportunity, everywhere we go, there's, we have to be ready to share the hope that lies with him. That's right. uh, You know, and, and like us, you've been put in many situations too, where you have a lot of ministry outflow going on and, um, you know, this is the first season of my life that I haven't traveled since I was 26. And I'm, I feel so content not to, um, right. I mean, not do some, you know, I, I just oh, got yeah. back a trip to Virginia. I just got back from another trip, but, um, not doing the extensive traveling. And honestly, yeah. I'm so glad that I don't have to right now because of the mask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like having to wear the mask. Um, but, but there's so much opportunity right where we are that, um, yeah. you know, we, we feel so fully satisfied and pouring yes. now, yeah, um, to people around us. So, and um, you have uh, another book, "My Hindsight, Your Foresight." Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, that book was my heart. I, you know, I raised two boys, and so I always felt like I had a lot to say to young women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also saw a lot, saw a lot of young women that struggled with the things that I did at twenty six and single. You know, feeling a call of God in my life and people would say to me all the time, well, do you think you'll ever marry? And I would be like, well, I, you know, I've always wanted to be married, but if, if the call, you know, if Jesus is coming and, and I need to just give myself fully to the call, then I'm okay with that. 
And, uh, and then the Lord, you know, just began to minister to me. And, you know, then, then, I, you know, I met Steve and we knew that was a God thing and we came together as a couple. And, and, uh, then we started team ministering together. And, and then people would say, well, you think you'll ever have children? You know, and I'd say, well, you know, I, I've always wanted to have children. I've been dressing, you know, cats up since, you know, in doll clothes since I was three. Um, but you know, but if Jesus is coming and then one day the Lord said to me, Barbara, if I don't, if I tarry in year 60, will you regret that you didn't have children? Mm. And I thought, oh, yes, I would. You know, I just, I just always wanted children. He said, then you should have children. Right. And, and somehow, uh, I, I don't know how to put it in balance, but it's like, you can have it all. You may not have it all at the same time. You may not have a yeah. clean house and a toddler, um, but you <laughs> and I feel like there's been a good balance um, in my life, you know, of being yeah. able to raise children and influence them and still uh, fulfill the call of God in my life. And yeah. same with Steve and I. And there were seasons when, you know, where the traveling was much more on me and Steve stayed home and Mr. Mommed, you know, and <laughs> So they, they have great memories of me leaving the house and, you know, I was kind of the organic mother. So I was like, you know, grapes are sweet treats and things like that. And I'd walk out the door and they would get the pineapple soda and the pizza and Star Wars and, and you know, so they had that, that opposite extreme with them. And so they kind of enjoyed their, their Mr. Mom time, you know? Sure. So, so I think, I think somehow God made it right, you know, and, and did it. And, and uh, I'm thankful for it now. Yeah, that um, I was able to to do that, but I think everybody has to find their own course. Yeah. Um, but I just want to challenge and, and help young women to to you know to establish that call. Right. Many times, I mean, the scriptures say, you know, establish your work in the field and then establish your home. Right. And I think a lot of the women that I've seen that have had a call of God on their lives have have married a little later, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe started families a little later because they had to define that call first. Yeah. Um, so that the man that came into their lives would would recognize and validate the call and not um, not try to quench it. Sure. Um, you know, so that they could, you know, they could work together. And right. it also gave them definition to be able to understand, like, OK, is is this man uh, is his call compatible with the call that God has on me? Like, That's are we a team? Um, yeah. Because I think God brings people together, not only for marriage, but as a team and ministry. Yes. And so it's important that, um, you know, that we know, you know, what the calling is so that we know if it's compatible. You know? Right. And they can work together. And, uh, you know, you've seen that so beautifully with David, you know, just like right. what, you know, what a, what an awesome testimony that is. I know. You know together. <laughs> what a team. You know, so. I, know. I thank God for it. Well, you have said just so many things. Um, one of the things I want to reiterate is that you and Steve have listened to God about your ministry, your calling and following him. And you got glimpses of things, but sometimes they were 25 years uh, after the glimpse of, you know, or, and, and you just kept following him. Um, and I believe that, that, you know, those, uh, the way of faith, so many times God will show us the end from the beginning. You know, he shows us those little uh, scenarios of what we're going to be doing. Um, and we just follow him and he, he works it all out. But I love the fact that you and Steve did things because God told you to, and not because you had the money to do it or, you know, or, you know, the, all the know-how, you know, you just yeah. followed God. And Gerald, there's been many times since we got here, which has probably been the greatest faith adventure we've ever had. 
sure. um, being in a season of our lives. You know, when we were young ministers, we were told, oh, you don't need to, you know, you know, you can opt out of Social Security. You won't need that. And my husband being a Canadian, he isn't eligible for any of that anyway. Um, right. And when we had an extra thousand dollars in our hands, supernaturally, somehow we thought, we didn't ever think about putting it away to our future. Now, that's not saying that it's not right to, because I wish somebody had told me more of those kind of things <laughs> back then. But in my, in our generation, it was like, oh, well, you must have the seat. It's a seat. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't need it, it's a seat. Um, right. Or maybe if you do need it, it's a seat because you need something <laughs> bigger than this. Exactly. We just, we just sowed our seat. You know, we every time we had an opportunity, we thought we were supposed to give to somebody's vision or somebody's dream. And, right. you know, one day I was just praying and saying, Lord, you know, why, why did we wait so long to do this? Because now we're older and it's a little bit harder for us to maintain everything. And so we need so many people to help us. And which, you know, he has been so gracious to give us. Um, but you know, he just said to me clearly, he said, Barbara, you couldn't have done this when you were 30 or 35. You didn't have your seed in the brain. He said, so you, you hadn't laid down your life for right. other people's vision. You had not sown into the dreams that other people were carrying. You hadn't, right. you hadn't, um, served other people. And yeah. now you're in a season where you, you totally depend upon the harvest. I mean, we literally do, totally depend upon the harvest now in our lives. And, and we, we operate the sanctuary completely by donation. So yeah. there's no, um, there's no security except God. Yes. And he has taught us through the years to live by faith That's and to right. walk by faith and to, and to do that, and, and even when we came here and, and some, a lot of well-meaning, smart people, you know, would advise us and say, well, you need to do this and you need to charge this and charge that and you need to do that. And we said, you know, it's just not our armor. Mm-hmm. We don't have business armor. We've never been business people. We've always been, you know, ministers and we, yeah. we know how to believe God, but we don't really know how to run a business. Right. And so for us, it was just right. That we operate as we have, and we've seen the supernatural provision of God in that. Praise and, God. Um, and that way, it's never, it's never about what anybody can do. Um, because we know that there would be people that couldn't, couldn't do it if you set up a, a, a price or a, you know, and there's other people that can do way more. Yeah. And, and with our faith, we can trust God and, and watch him, you know, mm-hmm. meet the needs. And, you know, it, I, I mean, I can remember the first month we were in here. The propane bill was $3,000. And we were mm-hmm. like, oh, my goodness, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. what, more than we'd ever had to deal with in a home. Well, sure, oh, yeah. But, but, but God. And yeah. then the assistance. You know, we would, we, the Lord said, I want you to pray for assistance. When you have need of something, don't, don't tell me, don't, you know, kind of like we use the expression nickel and dime God. You know, like, <laughs> oh, we yeah. need this, we need that, we need this, we need that. He said, just ask for assistance. Sometimes right. you need money. Sometimes you need a, a, a skilled worker. Yeah. Sometimes you just need knowledge. Right. Or just ask me for assistance and I'll send you the assistance that you need. That's so good. And we've had so many miracle stories of provision here. And sometimes yeah. it was just somebody that would walk by and say, oh, you need to get a hold of this and this and this and do this for this. You know, something we didn't know about an old farm ops, you know. Right. Uh, you know, just knowledge. Yeah. And it's just been so miraculous to watch God move, you know. Right. Uh, I can tell you stories from seven years ago, but I can tell you stories from this week. <laughs> and we love, we love that adventure of living yeah. and watching Amen. him and watching oh, him every time. Tremendous. I love the life of faith. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we want to encourage you because there's a lot of people that are in the season that we're in now and they're starting to 
buy into those thoughts of like, you know, well, I'm on a fixed income now. I'm a, right. I'm a this or I'm in these years. And I said, well, it doesn't have to be. That's right. If you've got your seed in the ground, you can, yeah. you know, we have to, we have to be as strong about pulling in the harvest as we were about being faithful to sell. Amen. You know, we need to put a demand on the seed. You know, the Lord yeah. said to me, he said, you've laid up treasure in heaven. It's not, it's not laid up like a broken leg. Right. You know, it's, it's laid up, it's stored up. So you can put a demand on heaven's bank account and, and, you know, at minimum, it's been collecting 30, 60, 100 fold. I mean, well, even if you're only 30, that's better than any investment you could make. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So I'd say, you know, I've watched the friends and I'm, I'm thankful that people have got their 401ks and their 503, whatever, you know, the, all the different things. Yeah. But I have investments too. Yes. And it, not that mine are better than theirs or that theirs are better than mine. It's just that we've all worked. Yeah. to the harvest season and yeah. now it's time to harvest so we have to be good about harvesting too yeah even though it's not in an uh, ira or it's not in a whatever it's in accounts that's at, totally accessible to us yes and uh yeah. I mean, it's it's not for heaven yeah it's for this time and for this season amen yeah. so good well before we go would you pray for people who are listening especially those who are seeking the will of god for their life, maybe they have a little bit of direction, but yeah. you know they they need that assurance of what God wants them to step out and do. And so, Absolutely. can you pray? Pray before we go. Okay, Barbara. Oh, Father, I'm Thank so you. thankful that we know you. Yes, that we know the God who already has the plan. <laughs> You're not trying to come up for, with a plan for any one of us, Father. You divinely implanted a sense of destiny in us when you birthed us in the womb. He said, you put that inside. Right. Father, I just thank you that you have said you have a prearranged path. It's all made ready for us. Doesn't mean that everybody would, we're not robots. We don't just go on the path that you designed and we have no choices. But Father, you made a plan. You said, I prearranged a path for a good life. So if we'll get on that track, if we'll get on that path, you said it'll shine brighter and brighter, clearer and clearer. You'll put a light on the path. We won't be left in the dark. Right. Bring it out into the light, Father, and that every step you order, Father. You said even things that appear to be as circumstances are actually steps that are ordered by God. Yes. And Father, help us not to lean to our own understanding. Help us, help us not to just decide where we're going to walk and what we're going to do, but to open our hearts to you and say, God, I want your will more than I want my own. I want your path more than I want my own desire. Because you give me the desires in my heart. Father, plant in me. Put in me the desire to go your direction. Plant in me the desire for those things that you have prepared. Father, for each and every one that's seeking, either from the young to the older, Father, from the young to the seasoned, Father, they need to know the way they should go. And you promised to make it clear that they would have the mind of God. And if there was any other mind in them, you would make it clear to them. Yes. So thank you, Father. They operate out of the mind of Christ. They hold the thoughts and intents and purposes of your heart. You said there are many plans in a man's mind, and then we know there's even more in a woman's. But yes. you direct their steps, and you cause your purposes for them to stand. Yes. You said if we would roll our works over on you, all of our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our plans, if we'd roll it all over on you, you would cause our thoughts to come into agreement with your will, and then our plans will be established and have good success. Yeah. So, Father, this is not about winning a few and losing a few. This is about being a winner every time. You always cause us to triumph. Yes. So, Father, for those that have been in confusion, those that have been wondering, 
That's not your way. You said that the curse was to wander and wander, but our steps are ordered. Yeah. They're ordered by you. Divinely directed decisions are upon our lips. We thank you, Father. We will not transgress in judgment. We'll hear and we will obey. We will pray and you will show the way. I think Lynn Hammond quoted it best. She said, if you can follow the Lord in prayer, you can follow him anywhere. As we pray, Father, lead and guide in prayer. Show them how to do the simple things in obedience to you. And then, as they take the steps to obey. Oh, day by day. You'll be going to open the way. It'll begin to clear, Father, like the Red Sea before them. They'll see the way to go and they'll see the pathway that's been made open to them and the things that you have for them to do. And they will walk in the shoes. They'll walk in the shoes that you prepared for them to. Father, I thank you because you will have your way. You will have your plan. You will see to it that they fulfill the number of their days with purpose. And we thank you, Father God, they'll live long and they'll live strong and they will fulfill what you called them to do. And all of us will be here moving with you for the days ahead, Father. We will move with you. We will follow the cloud. We will follow the glory of God and move into the things that you have prearranged and made ready for us to do. Yeah. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus precious. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So so powerful. (laughs) I love pray. (laughs) Barbara, thank you so much for helping us understand a little bit about moving in faith and and really the life of faith and uh, just tremendous. And um, I know we have your website. We'll put it up there so people can see what you're doing and and find the books because there's many books on prayer that you have. Yeah, lots of one that they probably would really enjoy too is I didn't actually write this one, but it's called Praying Clear Through. We brought it out of public domain in um, oh I don't know how many years ago now, but it's a it's one out of the Azusa Street Revival about the power of praying things through. Oh, I think that's key right now is that you know we can't just it's not about just praying a little and then let it go. Just pray and and, and pick it up again and again until you feel. That note of victory, that 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 process of the plan, so that you can pray things through. Because you know, don't give up until the word is reality. That's right. The word is reality. That's so good. All right. Thank you, Barbara. God bless you. You're welcome. And tell Steve Steve hello for us too. I I will. (laughs) God bless. You too. Well, we thank God for all those things. You might want to just go. Uh, ahead again and rewind this or however you would do it and back it up and listen to it all again because there's so much wisdom there and uh, I encourage you to go on Barbara's website uh, look at her books order them read them um, and even if you feel led to donate to the sanctuary um, their beautiful home um, is just available for pastors and evangelists and and people in all kinds of ministries and prayer people who pray to go and just get away. Sometimes we all need that. And, uh, and uh, they do that for no charge to uh, these ministers. And it's just a beautiful ministry of Stephen and Barbara Arbo. So God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next time on women of substance. 
Well, thank you for tuning in today to uh, this podcast. We have another one coming up. In fact, it's every other week, the first and third Friday. Hopefully this has spoken to you. If you would like to, we have a magazine. It's called Grace and Faith Journal, and it comes out once a quarter, and we'd love to send that to you. It has interesting articles, and then it tells what we're doing at Horton Ministries International to help people and to minister people around the world. If you want to email us at office at scarlethorton.com, then you can uh, give us your address. We can send you our Grace and Faith magazine. And if you're in Tampa, Florida, come see us at Grace Harvest Church. We passed our local church here. Uh, but we mainly want to pray for you uh, and encourage you. So, uh, again, if you need prayer, email us for prayer. We'd love to do that. And uh, tune in next time. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.